0: Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and if you haven't noticed, we are keeping up with a theme of this season moving directly into the podcast episode, ASAP. So today's guest is one of our repeat guests from a previous season, and Dana Powell comes to play. She gets really candid about where her career is at right now and what keeps her going despite the hard times she has gone through, how things have changed and shifted from what she thought this was going to look like at this point in her career, how she kind of moved on from a lot of reps, how and why she let them go, what has happened since then, and how she has pivoted and evolved over the pandemic and in her comedic career. If you guys have not listened to Dana's episode, it is linked in the show notes, her first episode. I highly recommend you listen to that one first because it is such a fun ride to watch these repeat episodes from previous seasons, and I can't recommend it enough because it really shows the longevity of this business. Hint, hint, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I highly recommend it. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy Dana Powell. So fresh from May of 2019 to right now, the world has changed. I just listened back to our old podcast episode and I will be encouraging listeners before this airs to listen to it because one of the sentences that you and I say is, self-tapes are like this new thing. <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> Not anymore. I know. I know. oh. It was like, it seems like a flash of a second, 2019, but also forever just because the world and specifically the industry as well have changed so much, so rapidly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what has been some big shifts for you since 2019, if we can remember before COVID?
1: Well, obviously the same as everybody, the whole self-tape. I mean, our industry has just become pretty much self-tapes now slowly, Especially commercially, things are going back to in-person, but most of my theatrical is definitely self-tape. I've even had some callbacks that were online, virtual. And I would say there's good and bad to that. The good part is you can kind of do it on your own schedule as long as it's not a same day turnaround. The bad part of that is it's hard on my marriage because I would rather work with my husband than bother someone else. And I can't afford to pay readers five times
0: a week. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, mm Mm-hmm. So something you talked about in your last podcast was how you would go somewhere to self-tape. So that has obviously shifted you now self-tape from home. Yeah, I do. And it
1: sucks. I really liked my guys. You know, I went to Michael Reeser, which is someone that we both know, and they did such an excellent job, but it became part of my job to learn how to do that. I would say that's probably the biggest shift for me as a more middle-aged person. I think you have listeners of all ages. All ages. Yeah. So like I've had the experience of getting started as a newbie and having to learn everything from the ground up. Now I'm a middle-aged person who wasn't expecting to have to do that, who now has cable and a child, which as we all know are both very expensive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So like I can't afford to put that kind of, you know, money into self-tapes. So we've all had to learn to adapt in our own ways, both preparing to try and get jobs as well as remaining creative because my workload definitely plummeted. Mm. Oh, talk to me about that. I'm so lucky. Like I still work. Don't get me wrong. But my batting average is not the same. And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I'm entering a different age bracket. We're always going through that with self tapes. I think, you know, the rumor has been going around that now in a first call, they can see three to 500 people that didn't used to be the way it is because you can't run three to 500 people through a room in a day. So I've had to learn how to adapt in those ways that I certainly wasn't expecting. I saw Instagram coming. I saw reels and YouTube shorts and all that coming. I didn't see this coming. I didn't know that I was going to be building a studio in my own home and tearing it down every time I had an audition because I have a family and so I don't have in a tiny postage stamp home that I'm very grateful for but I don't have the room to paint my wall or leave a five by eight foot screen every day. I have to put it up and take it down every time I do something. And so learning how to adapt to all those things without the same amount of success, I would say has been a definite personal journey for me.
0: (laughs) I'm just, so I've been, I've been in a mood lately and I'm like, what's it going to take? What's the change? What's the thing I need? And I think it is that debilitating feeling of like, putting in what feels like twice the amount of effort and what exhibits half the results. So how have you dealt with that, especially as someone who has a family, who has a home and a child and all of those things? How do you deal with that mindset? Yeah, it's very scary. And I would say it hasn't
1: been easy. I mean, not to sound cliche LA, but I wish the rest of the world sounded this way too. Therapy is a big help. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of therapy, most of all in the good times and definitely in the bad, because in the good times you get to remind yourself of what's going right and what you're doing right. And then the bad times you need somebody to hear. So just to put that out there, if you're not in therapy and you're in this industry, think about it because you probably need it and may not know it. So therapy has been very helpful, but then also like I really had to I got so broken down as a creative spirit that I really had to go outside of what my normal, you know, for me, I'm a big improv girl. Like that's how I started and came up. So most of my journey in LA was before I had a child, I was working a regular job, hitting Miss Guest Star here and there. And then my therapy at the time was doing comedy sketch and improv live in front of an audience. That was my medicine. That was my creative fulfillment and that was ripped away from all of us as audience and as performers and so it took me a long time I also lost my mom at the beginning of the pandemic oh I'm sorry so there was a lot of trauma going on trauma from the loss trauma from the loss of my mother the loss of my creativity and what sort of had defined me for the bulk of my adult life and it forced me to turn inward. And go. What's most important to me? It doesn't mean I have to lose my hustle, but I have to find a new way to do that that is fulfilling for me. And I don't know if you can see behind me. I don't know how much is on here, but one of the things that I found is plants, and that's just my personal journey. I was going to say, <laughs> there's a lot of those. Yes, and I mean, yeah my my coffee cup says one plant short of crazy. We, we're we're past crazy, okay. <laughs> I got like maybe 300 (laughs) babies inside and outside this house because my son's getting older and I needed something else to give my love to since I wasn't loving an audience, right?
0: (laughs) No, but really.
1: So I found that. I found that that I really delved into and gave love and care to and it brought me peace. And then I also started painting. I also started playing piano and singing again, which I hadn't done in decades. I took the time for myself to find other ways to be creatively fulfilled so that I wouldn't use that empty time to brain beat myself and tell myself what a failure was. I just want to say for anybody out there that is, you know, we're all going through it and like none of us woke up one day and took a bad acting pill. Okay. Things are changing. So it's not like you were talented a couple of years ago and you're not anymore.
0: That's just not the, that's not possible. Thank you. Because that's what I have to tell myself sometimes. I'm like, what happened? But then I talk to, you know, some actors who are in different phases of their life, and they're like, well, it's just, it is what it is. You're in a down or you're in an up, or you're, it's like, it's never going to be the same thing. But it's really hard when you're in the down to convince yourself that you are not the problem. So I have a question because this is something I think a lot of actors struggle with is that concept of like, okay, I'm not the problem, but also I should keep improving. So what, how do you, how do you balance
1: that? Well, you know what I have done? And again, take it with a grain of salt, you know, chew the meat, spit out the fat. My personal journey, what I decided to do was I had gotten to a certain point in my career where my life was busy enough and my schedule was busy enough that I was at the point where sometimes I would get offers or my representation would say offer only on some things. Sometimes projects would come my way that I was just like, I don't think I have the time to really focus on that and make it my best. And I would say no. I got to say, I haven't been saying no to anything. And that's everything from projects for friend projects just for fun to like meeting a couple of 17 year olds this summer who I worked on a film with and they asked me to be in their 48 hour film I haven't done the 48 hour film festival since I was in my mid-20s but I sure did it this year in my mid-40s and it's just about like remaining relevant remaining in touch with all those different audiences these girls are 17 they bring a lot to my table that I don't get and understanding, but also what I want to say about that is it reinvigorated the joy I saw. There were so many young kids that were up at the front at the Q and A, saying, "This is the first film I've ever made," and the pure joy and the pride reminded me of when I was that age. And I sat there going, "I got to be a part of this moment. Like these kids are never going to forget this, and you know what? Now I won't either." because I didn't expect at my age to be going back and doing a 48-hour film just because I have the time. Was it the best thing I've ever done? I mean, probably not. Does it matter to me? Not for a second. But if you had asked me that in 2019, it may have been a different scenario. You still have to maintain your nose. You still have to maintain your boundaries. If it's something you don't agree with or something you think could damage, you know, I don't know, people worry about their reputation and stuff. To me, in this day of, our TikTok world and everything. I mean, can you really mess up? I don't think so. People are just showing themselves
0: and who they are. There's nothing wrong with you the way you are. If things move so quickly now, I have a lot of actors who are like, I want to start a podcast or something. I'm like, just do it. They're like, Well, what if my first one isn't very good? I'm like, nobody remembers. There's there's too much stuff.
1: Nobody remembers. You just got to keep going. You have to keep going. And and you have to remember, I think, too, one of the things I want to touch on, especially at my age, I'm getting old and grumpy. <laughs> it's easy to <laughs> gravitate toward the negativity of the things. There's always been things that annoy us. You know, in the past, it was like, I don't want to drive to Santa Monica at five o'clock on a Friday. Yes, I hated that. Right? So that story is over. But my story now is I don't want to get up at 4.30 in the morning to do a self-tape before Dan Tipton goes to
0: work. So we still call your husband by both names. We're still doing that.
1: (laughs) Always. Always. 24 years. What are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah. And it's like that anger can seep into not only your auditions, not only your talent, you know, but it can seep into your daily life, which also is going to affect your creativity. And so I don't ever want to feel like it's my own anger that is repelling my success. And that's been one of my big struggles right now is doing these mental gymnastics, you know, especially being a little bit older. Like there is a voice inside my head that comes up, respectfully to any other professionals listening to this, there's a voice inside my head that comes up that goes, I was told when I was young to look up to my elders to learn from my elders, to watch on a set, to build. You start with a co-star, a guest star, a series. Like there were levels and you followed a path that doesn't exist anymore. And I didn't know when I was young that I was going to have to keep relearning things every three to four years, brand new things that probably aren't as easy for a person my age as they would be for my little 17-year-old friends. That comes naturally to them. It doesn't to me. It's an effort.
0: Was there a point where you thought that you were done with co-stars, for example, and that's still a part of your audition?
1: Oh, yes. I would say I was done with co-stars for about a decade. The industry is changing such that guest stars are a little bit disappearing. (laughs) They really are not there, huh? (laughs) You know, it's a way I would say if there's any union reps listening, that shouldn't be happening because there'll be two or three people on a show that are making 1.5 million an episode and then everybody else gets a fraction of the pay. That's difficult as a -a work-a-day actor. The work-a-day actor is disappearing and that's hard because I've made my living now since I was in my late 20s as an actor and it's becoming more and more of a struggle. The stakes at this point in my life are home, child, marriage, retirement, all of these things. That weren't there when I was young. There's a bit of a scare there. But what I would say is I'm trying to let go of all that future worry and just live in the moment because you're right. This industry is peaks and valleys. It always has been always for everybody. Okay. This is unprecedented as we're all saying, (laughs) but I feel like those of us who know that we know that we know still know And I'll just be honest, my husband and I have had four come to Jesus talks over COVID sparked on by me because my husband works in production. And so his workload is usually pretty consistent seasonally and I'm not the same. And so there's an amount of ego for me as a woman also attached that I lost my insurance over COVID. And it also wasn't my fault. The studio held on to four quarters of my income. People were fighting it on all levels. People much, much more important than me and couldn't get that figured out. And so again, that's another union issue. So you throw all these things into the mix and then you go, I'm not getting out. And a lot of people go to their reps and go, what's up? Sometimes
0: it is a rep problem. I would say right now, probably not. How do you think you can delineate between those two? Because it's so hard, right? Because if you think about it, this job is insane because we sign with reps, and a lot of times your reps are like, okay, don't self submit because it takes away our power and whatever. And also, the self submitting jobs aren't as good as the ones that we can submit you for. So just sit back, relax, do your work, and we'll do ours. And we just let them go. And you just have to trust that they're doing all the things that you don't or really see behind the curtain. So how do you come to terms with the fact that it's not a rep problem?
1: You know, sometimes it is. And I will get to that because before I launch into this, like, oh, uh, well, let's look at ourselves first. I will say I did dump all my reps during COVID. So we'll get to
0: that. I have that written as a question for you. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> you know, it's really easy to be sitting alone in your house going crazy, watching things and going, well, I could have done that. Why didn't I go in for that? It's torture. Uh-huh. And then your brain starts telling you all these stories about why you messed up and you're not good. And then that doesn't feel any good anymore. So then you start looking for other reasons to blame. The fact of the matter is you're never going to know the answers. So don't waste your time. Put that energy towards something else. Okay. I have always been a hustler on my own. I don't step on anybody's toes, but I've done live performance. I've written my own stuff. I've shot and produced my own stuff. I'm constantly getting my name, my face, and my creativity out there as much as I can. That's the most I can do on my end besides be prepared for auditions and do a good job always. And so if I'm not getting very many auditions right now, I have to say it's a little bit COVID because it's a change. Now, there came a point where I think with younger generations, at least I've heard, and I could be totally wrong. Anyone's welcome to correct me on this, but y'all kind of chest your cards a little bit and keep close to your chest what auditions you're going for, what classes you're in, who's doing this and what. When I was younger, we all talked the same. We all were like, hey, did you go in for this? Because I did. And I wasn't right for it, but you are. So we're always getting word of what was going on in town. Hey, have you read that pilot by so-and-so? I think you'd be great for it. Not just looking out for yourself, because for me, I've got a ring of girls. That we were always in the waiting rooms together. We were always up for the same things. And when pilot season was a mega deal, I used to just say to myself, "Just pray to the universe or God or whatever you believe in. I hope my girls get pilots right off the bat because then there'll be room for me. And that keeps also an anchor at bay because comparison is the thief of joy. It's not a cliche. It's just a fact. And I know those girls are talented. I know they deserve to be working. So hurry up and get a job. So I can do a good job too and get one. And it's just that mind shift in perception of like, we're not against each other. There is enough work for everybody. And there is some sense of like my confidence, you know, I'm not repelling success if I'm hustling, keeping positive, looking out for others and not just myself because I see who's creative. I see who's good. I work with you guys. And I hope that the same can be said for me. So just because you have reps, I would say just personally, you're not off the hook really in this world. You're your only advocate. You're your publicist right now, unless you got $5,000 a month, which I don't. And also think about that for your friends, the people you love. I'm not saying go out and trust everybody. And we all know there's dangerous people out there. But get your good ones around you and be their cheerleader because they will cheer you on too. And we need that support. This is a hard industry. We already have producers and wardrobe and makeup picking us apart. Every little thing we say, do look, how our bodies are built as fellow actors. Can't we just
0: support each other through some of the hard times? I'm a huge advocate for this. I put up a post recently on Instagram that was like if you can't be somebody's cheerleader get off the sidelines like if you're not there to support like just just go away and i get it because there are days where i'm like i cannot see one person share a deadline article today about their new show i cannot see like i have to be self-preserving in those moments and be like this is not about them it is about me and this just means that today i'm not witnessing others but that way i can come back full force when i get out of my funk
1: totally It's a give and take. Yeah. I used to get Entertainment Weekly. It was like my favorite magazine for years and years back home and here in LA. And I got to a point in my career where my real close buds were ending up on that bullet (laughs) in the end. And then there were four page spreads about them. And like, I couldn't have been more happy for them. But week after week, I started noticing it was affecting my own perspective of myself. And I did not want that resentment to build. And so I was okay with canceling my subscription.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We talked about that in your last podcast episode too. So like that is consistent, the need to like check your mentality. There's a vibe sometimes where we assume if we're not going out all the time, especially if we're not booking, that we cannot relax because we're not doing enough. How do you know – when you are doing enough? I don't think I ever believe I'm doing enough.
1: Not ever. Does that mean I'm always doing something? Uh -uh. Which that's where the danger is because I will tear myself down. I will say, you're lazy. You know, content creation is something that I've had a real mental struggle with just for myself in that it's become a part of our profession in a lot of ways. And there are people, like I said, jumping hoops that I was told I had to learn to get on camera jobs. And I have to realize that like, is that something I want to be doing? No, (laughs) those people work so hard for nothing pennies. Like I wish they would unionize because (laughs) those people are pushing themselves to the brink, making content four and five times a day. I don't know how they do it. Mad respect. That's not for me. So it's easy to fall into that. Well, you're not doing enough, Dana, because you're not on TikTok every day. You're not making reels. You're not making shorts. You're not writing your own stuff and making something every week. Well, guess what? I don't have time. And that's not what I signed up for. Does that mean I don't use social media to my advantage? I understand it's a part of my profession, but I'm not going to beat myself up for not being a professional content creator. I'm an actress. Is that doing me harm? Could be. I don't know the answer but I don't think anybody does so I'm following what I have the ability to fit into my life
0: have you gone back to improv as it's right now we're recording this in August of 2022 have you gone back to an improv theater are you doing any sort of that have you visited that world at all yet I have visited the world
1: as a coach. I coach a team over at Westside
0: that's actually
1: getting ready to end their residency and hopefully get another called Chugga Chugga. They're very fun. So I've been coaching. And then I'm going to be teaching at a festival in Pennsylvania in May. So that realm of it, yes. But performance-wise, no. And I miss it. I just saw a bunch of improv buddies on the beach last weekend. And all of us were talking about how much we miss that live performance. and doing bits with your buddies and things like that.
0: Yeah. Do you see yourself going back to it ever?
1: Oh yeah. I think I'll probably do it till I can't walk. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it in a wheelchair then. It's just fun for me. It's my home base. It's where I get to be silly. You know, I grew up so, 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 so shy and I feel like improv allowed me to be that cuckoo person. I think I probably was, but parents in the seventies and eighties didn't allow children to be
0: uh huh, uh huh. And now we're like, go free, little one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> they were monsters on the world. Totally.
1: 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I will get back to that. And it's definitely starting to come back a little. You know, theaters are open. People are still wearing masks inside, which is great. Performers usually don't, but I'll get back there.
0: I'm intrigued. I was supposed to graduate from my UCB 301 class on March 18th of 2020. So I never graduated. <laughs> they gave me. Oh my God. I know it was so funny. I sent out a postcard and everything to like agents and I was like, promise I won't shake your hand. Like, wink, wink. And now, and like literally they were like, no more classes, no more performances. Oh, no. So I was like, I know. But Vistaprint gave me my $30 back that I spent on that mailing. So that was. They did? I Yes, they wow. did. I emailed them. I was like, hey, I know you guys already mailed this, but like times are tough and that show is not happening and I, I nobody's going to get it. It's just going to sit in their offices. And they're like, no problem. We'll credit your – I was like, you don't know what this means to me. <laughs> it's the little things. I am – can I please
1: – I don't mean this condescending at all. Like I'm so proud of you for speaking up for yourself because I never would have done that. I would have ate it. it was. <laughs>
0: To be fair, I had a lot of time and a lot of like very entitled energy at that moment when, for the first time in my life, my world was crashing in on itself. So it was a perfect storm. But Vistaprint, I've ordered like lots of things from them since then, just for the sheer fact of like they've tripled their business from me since then. I know it was lovely. So, but I'm thinking about going back because. Improv, I haven't done it in so long. And I remember when I did it in 2020, I was like, oh, this is like going to the mental gym. Like my brain never fires as fast as it does. And at the time, I was like, is this like good for my acting career? Is this like just another like hole to put my head into? And it's like, my ability to come up with a button for the end of a scene is like that, you know, like that kind of stuff. I think it's it's like it's literally a mental gym, and i I miss that. And it's like at this point, who gives a shit if it directly equals a booking? Like, isn't the goal just to like enjoy this process?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, one hundred percent. But I am always that person that says I fully believe my improv career. Is responsible for the bulk of my career because of the people I met not this being seen opportunities but the people I've worked with created things with who created things and asked me to jump on board that's priceless and forever friends like we've all grown up together we went to each other's weddings all over the United States like we had children at the same time like we are chosen family and that came from the improv world that's priceless
0: yeah. That is the magic of of cities like LA where, you know, it gets a bad rap for it's hard to make friends, but I think it's actually not that hard if you are putting yourself in circles of people and exposing yourself to new things because I think that openness other people receive it. And I know a lot of actors email me and they're like, "I'm thinking about moving to LA, but I'm so scared I won't make friends." I'm like, "No, you will just like look in places other than just your scene study class. Like look at like some random improv or like at your, like the place you take Pilates or like whatever it is, like just go be and you'll find people with your energy. Totally. I was teaching at Improv Utopia,
1: which is a grown-up sleepaway camp for improv. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. There's cabins. There's an owl that lives there, at least the West coast one. Like it's right on the ocean. You wake up, come out of your cabins, go to breakfast in the oceans right there. I mean, it's Grown up dreamland for creative people. This is like my
0: summer camp and actor dream come true. Oh, it is. You make lifetime friends
1: from there too, all over the United States, all over the world. People from Ireland come, Germany, like it's crazy. That's a very fun thing if you're looking. They actually are having one the first week of September. Actually, it might be right now. Yeah. So I'll never forget. I was teaching and everybody was going around. We broke off into little workshop groups, right? And so in my workshop, there was this group of people and they were all going around telling them about themselves. There was a girl there. I think she was like 19 or 20. She's like, I've never done improv in my life. I just graduated school like six months ago. And I was like, oh, this sounds fun. And she traveled from like some other state. And I was blown away at her ballsiness, her zest for life. And she had a blast. And Like, I still follow her on social media. Like, that's the kind of person that gets out there and lives life to the fullest. You don't have to be open to everyone and everything. But I think we could, especially after COVID, I think we all feel a little more closed off. And maybe that's
0: not necessary. One of my favorite companies in the whole world agreed to sponsor my podcast and I don't know what we did right, but they're also giving you a deal. So buckle up because Olive and June is now a sponsor for the One Broke Actress podcast. You have seen me talk about them non-stop on Instagram because I found them in COVID when I needed something to do with my nails and my free time. And Olive and June has been a consistent piece of my life ever since then. Their manicure system has changed my nail game completely. I now know know how to do my nails, first of all, and we all know how challenging that can be, especially at home. I save so much time and so much money because their nail kit breaks down to, drumroll please, $2 a manicure. Yes, $2. Here's what I do not miss about going to a nail salon. One, the amount of time that it takes to sit there. How many times have you thought, man, I wish I could just drop off my hands and pick them up later after I go run all my errands? Also, do they take cash? Can I pay with a card? Do I even have cash? Who has cash these days? Am I going to get a parking ticket? Now I just sit at home. I set a podcast. I sit down at my table and I set myself up with Olive and June's Manny System and I am good. Good to go. And I cannot even begin to tell you how many times this has come in handy when I have a last-minute audition that needs neutral nails, or they want to see your hands, or, oh, I just want to change up my nails for this weekend, but I need to change them back on Monday for an audition. They make it the easiest thing possible because you have the full salon in your box at home. You may have also seen me use Olive and June's press-on nails, which I'll have to talk about more later, but it is the best nail system if you want a really easy press-on manicure that is made of 94% material. So no random pieces of plastic everywhere. They have so many perfect sizes to find the perfect fit. And I get the most compliments whenever I wear them because they have really fun designs too. So like on a weekend out, I could just pop on a set. So the best part about this is that Olive and June coming on means you guys get a discount. So visit oliveandjune.com broke20 for 20% off any first time purchase of any full system. That means you can buy the Manny system, the Petty system, because yes, they do pedicures too, and the Press-On system. Any of those that they have available to you because you want the full experience, because you want to learn how to properly cut your nails and take care of your cuticles and all of these things that we're just never taught when we're handed a bottle of polish at the grocery store. You know what I'm saying? That's oliveandjune.com broke20 for 20% off any first time purchase. Purchase of any full system. That's Olive oliveandjune.com slash BROKE20. It is also linked in the show notes. Go get them, guys. And go watch my Instagram if you want to see me use them basically daily. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, what do you do when this career gets lonely for you? Because especially since you know, everything self-tapes and we're just kind of stuck in our houses and doing things you know, very myopically, what do you do when you get really lonely in this career?
1: I have a few close friends that I know I can say the ugliest of uglies to, like when I'm at my worst and say, I know this is crazy, but I just need to get it out of my brain so it'll stop slapping me in the face. So I have that handful of people that I can go to. I have my therapy. I have my painting, my plants. But I would say if I'm being completely honest, there are a lot of times that I just isolate and it's not healthy. And that's where my come to Jesus talks come from. Like, am I supposed to be here? Tons of my friends with families are leaving every week. Am I doing a disservice to myself and my child by trying to like beat a dead horse? Or is this where my heart is supposed to be? And sometimes those talks are important. Just don't let them hurt you too much because they can. Or they can make you do crazy things like call your manager and go, I'm sorry, I just need to ask you, do you think that you are too big for me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had a. I can't. I'm going to say this on the podcast. We can keep this in. I had a moment where I had an IUD and I had it taken out. And I'm not interested in having children, but I went to like cycle syncing and like natural cycles to to just get off of hormones because I've been on them for 17, 16, 17 years. And so that happened earlier this year. And about two months in, I had a full breakdown, and I. Got a couple voiceover auditions, which I don't book a lot of. I audition very regularly, but I don't really book them. And I text it, which I never do, seven o'clock at night. I'm very much about keeping work hours, maintaining like email versus like I know all my agents' communication paths. I text my voiceover agent and I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. (laughs) She was like, Oh no, you should have texted a friend <laughs> first. I know. This is a problem. I work from home now too. So I like never leave. And she she responded, she was like, Can you just call me tomorrow? And I was like, Yes. So I called her and they, I mean, we've known each other for 10 years. She was the receptionist at the office when I first moved to LA. So we've known each other my entire career. And she was like, What's going on? I was like, Well, I'm just going through a really hard time and I feel like I never book. And she was like, most people don't book the job, and we had this really like heart to heart and she was like, just you know if you book one out of a hundred is it worth the amount of time you put on the hundred and I was like, yeah, I guess so and we had a lovely chat and she was like, just call me next time you feel weird about stuff I was like, oh yeah, I've built in these relationships and I don't use them. I know thank God she wasn't some big agency because it would have been a disaster, but I you know, she was just so loving and kind. But I have had those moments where I'm like, I freak out. And if you don't have someone to text it to or to talk to, you panic. So have you called your manager and said that before? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it didn't go the
1: way that people think it may have. I would say, always in mm. dealing with your reps, you have to remember, like, Actors are generally known for being crazy. And we all like to think, yeah, but I'm not the crazy one. Mm-hmm. But if you've got 30 or 40 actors who all don't think they're crazy, there's probably 26 or 27 of them that are, right?
0: <laughs> my, it drives and to you be fair, crazy. This business is built to make you feel crazy.
1: 100%. So I would say my first instinct when I – start sitting on things and my head just starts spinning. My first instinct is I talk to either another acting friend or my husband and go, here's what I'm thinking of saying. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's how I want to break it down. And I really, and they will usually, I'll say, be honest with me. Do you think I'm being crazy? And sometimes they'll say yes. (laughs) And sometimes they'll go, well, only part of it, this part and the, you know, I'll write down and they'll mark out. This is just Dana crazies. And they'll mark that out. This, you can ask, right? And you always need that friend that's not emotionally invested in this the way you are to help you monitor your crazies. So I don't know how much I followed my own advice on that day, but I had been with my manager, and we still have a good relationship, but I had been with her probably 14 years, 15. I was her very first client ever. She was a casting director who became a manager. And we had a wonderful relationship and friendship. She has built a very well-known clientele over the years. She's just, you know, good at what she does and picking people who are great. She was boutique management, no assistant. We all know how hard that is. Can you imagine like going through auditions for all your different types of actors every day, submitting everyone, doing deals for everyone, like everything you have to do. So I just called her and said, hey, this is apropos of nothing. I was just sitting in a chair painting, kind of going over everything in my life and where I am. And it hit me. uh, Do you think you're too big for me now? And she was like, what? No. And like, we had this conversation. We talked about COVID. And I just said, "Okay, just think about it. I wanted you to know that it certainly has crossed my mind because you don't have an assistant, things like this. And I am not famous enough that people are calling looking for me every week. I'm not an offer only girl. And I'm also not straight off the bus just pursuing a dream. This is my livelihood. This is my career. And this is what has sustained my life for the last 20 some years. So it's not a joke. It's not a dream. It's not a let's try this. People tell me I'm good. It's my life. And I can't play with that. And that statement definitely stuck for her where the next day i just received an email saying maybe you're right that hurt but i had to be honest and i gave her that permission to be honest with me and i already had a plan for what i was going to do if that was the case i already knew i was leaving my agency because my former agent the second time this happened to me i have had an agent i uh door and they quit to become a manager And at the time, I was taken and had a good relationship and felt like it was going where I needed to go. So when she said, would you like me to reach out to this person who became a manager, you know, my second agent, I said, oh, no, 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 no. And this is where you have to kind of be your own business person because, you know, obviously I already had that planned. (laughs) I had already had some conversation respectfully because I kind of saw it written on the wall. So my agent at the time was new. He had taken me over in August. It was December and he had never had even a phone introduction with me. And I was like, not cool with me. And so I just told her, I said, I'm just going to clean house. And she was like, oh, God, are you sure you don't want me to reach out? And I said, and I believed it. And that's where the difference is. And you may think this is arrogant and maybe it is. But with what we do you got to back yourself. So I just said to her, oh gosh, no, you know me. I'm not afraid to jump off a cliff. I'm good at what I do and I know it. And that's how I operated. That was done. I left my agent. I left my manager right in the middle of the pandemic and I haven't quit
0: since. Was there any point in that process where you were like, whoa, what am I doing? Yes. I think you can't help but be that way. But
1: I will say, It may have been easier for me because I've done it before. I probably talked last time, I'm sure, about Eric Stone Street. He is a mentor of mine. He's one of the early people that I met when I moved to Los Angeles. We did improv together. And he's the meanest big brother you could ever ask for. And I never asked for one. But I have learned (laughs) so much from him. And he taught me very early on. So many people get wrapped up in my career absolutely rests on having representation. I am walking, living, breathing proof that that is not the truth. That is not the only way. The bulk of my career was built without an agent and without a manager. And I think people have more opportunity for that today because y'all's getting representation off the internet. I never had that. But representation is not the end-all be-all, guys. Don't ever let them hold you captive. If you're not feeling it, jump off the cliff, see what happens. I always say LA is a place of endless hope and opportunity. And if you're supposed to be here, she'll take care of you. I say that constantly. I have for decades and I mean it. And I've had those hard talks. I've called my manager and said, are you too big for me? And she said, yes. Like I've been through it. It's not easy. Like that hurts to hear. But I'm not done. Nobody gets to decide when I'm done besides me. And I would say, if you have that tug, To go to something else and to do something else when you're in the down times. If there is that thing that you're like, I mean, I could, I mean, it would, I do enjoy it. I mean, I would, then do it. I pray for that all the time. I'm like, please send something
0: else that I love
1: because it's not there.
0: And that's how I know I can't
1: quit yet.
0: Yeah. What would you say to actors who don't have representation, which is a lot of actors who are listening to this podcast right now?
1: Yeah, I would say just be on your own game. You are your publicist. You don't want to be a content creator, like I just said earlier. I don't I ain't got time for that. <laughs> if you don't, you can still have a presence online. You can still have an Instagram that really, I mean, you and I have been on a panel before where we talked about there are casting associates and casting directors and people They're checking out your personality on your Instagram. They want to know who their directors will be working with. They want to know what you're going to be like for a 12-hour day on set. You can still have a presence online. And then you can still make stuff and not dump $10,000 into it. People are forgiving these days. You don't need a $5,000 mic and a $25,000 camera anymore. Get your face up while you're at a stoplight and tell people how you're feeling. Show a little bit of what you got charisma-wise.
0: I like that. I like that. It's it's scary to, because we talked about how it gets very lonely. So to also not have reps in your corner, right? Because we know that breakdown services has to be accessed by a representation. So like the idea of booking a TV show or booking a movie.
1: Unless your friend that you met 10 years ago in your improv class or your acting class or your yoga class is now a writer that created their own show. And they tell Casting, hey, bring in my buddy. She's great. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And you are planting seeds right now for your career in 15 years. Always, always. You know, there are a lot of people that want to be doing what we're doing. And there are a lot of us trying. But our world is very small. Don't forget that when you piss people off. Don't burn bridges. For example, may I tell you, many, many years ago, I was in a little movie people might remember in a very little part called
0: Bridesmaids. Every time I see it, I'm like, Dana, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie.
1: (laughs) Yesterday, I did a table read with Paul Feig, and I haven't seen him since then. And he saw me and put his hands in the air and went, oh, my God, Dana. People don't forget it's just about seeing you at the right time seeing you do the right thing at the right moment and god knows i don't know what those moments are but what i do know is that my life and my future is not dictated by whether or not i have an agent and a manager and i have control over that part of it and when i prove keep proving myself and keep doing even the like i said saying yes to everything i believe fully work begets work because whether i'm doing a 48 hour film festival or i'm doing something for paul feig I'm putting in the same amount of effort and hard work that
0: I do for everything. And that's got to count for something. It's got to. What is the mindset shift to get through those 15 years whilst planting seeds? Because sometimes it feels like we want to press the fast forward button. You do. So you have
1: to once in a while remind yourself, I do this with everything in my life. Like if I could just lose 10 more pounds, everything would be perfect. Really? If I could just get through this busy month with a wedding and a this and a that, everything would be perfect. Would it? Really, all we're doing is wishing our life away. I don't want to lose a single second because I watched my mama leave this earth at 63. And that's not enough time for me. That's not enough time for me, good or bad. It's real special and I want to be doing what I love for as long as I can. So if I have to take part of that responsibility, it shouldn't be, it's changing that perspective. Like I said, like it needs to be adapting. It needs to be enjoyable. How lucky am I that I get to do what I love? Don't let my personal anger or insecurities or lack of representation, because that's what everybody says you have to have to get started don't ever let any of those things repel your success. I think you can't and if you are allowing it to, it might be time to have a come to I say come to Jesus just cuz I was raised in the Midwest that's what we all say. Yep, yep. Love come to Jesus suck. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it might be time to have that hard talk with yourself and be kind to yourself if you have to say, yeah, maybe this wasn't what was cut out for me because if I'm feeling like I can quit and there's something else tugging at my eyeballs over there. Maybe that's my journey. I don't know. I've asked myself about this journey many times. And there have been times I was ready to go back to school. I had already had appointments set up at the coroner's office downtown to see what school credits I needed to add. Yeah.
0: I remember that (laughs) from my last chat. And I think it's like, it's so hard to continue to do something that doesn't pay you back what you pay to it and at the same time, having made all of these shifts and all of these mental realizations and like being getting to know yourself on such an internal level, when you did bring on a new team after this whole shift mid COVID and after losing your mom and like getting real perspective on stuff, what did you bring on or what were you looking for in the people you were bringing back to your team?
1: Well, for right now, with the pandemic and the way things are. A lot of people are like, I need a full team. I need an agent, a manager, and a lawyer right off the bat. And if I had the money for a publicist, I'd do it. I have never been that person. I've definitely had a full team like that at different periods in my life. This is not a period. We're all trying to figure this out. If you do have reps and you've talked to them, we're all saying to each other, I don't understand what's going on. Nobody knows how this is all going to shake out. So I would say, like, for me... These are the rules I always have gone by in my career. And I learned it the hard way because I had people who treated me poorly. I don't let anyone treat me poorly. I am a diamond in the rough. I am like, you just found me on the ground. Lucky you. Okay. I'm Dana fucking Powell.
0: (laughs) That's that fuck you flame, right? That fuck you flame.
1: Yes. Nobody thought I, I'm not going to lie. I'm only saying this on the podcast because I guarantee you this person would never listen in a million years. They don't even live near here or do this or anything. But someone from college recently called me a little, like having a good time. We'll say that. And went on this rampage, someone I hadn't spoken to in years, okay, went on this rampage about how I was nobody, how I was so invisible. Like I was that girl in acting class in a wheelchair, For the record, I was never in a wheelchair. I broke my leg once in college. I was on crutches. But it was interesting seeing how his memory painted me.
0: (laughs) If disability to him means you're less of an actor, then I got some amazing actors I could introduce you to, bro. It was very, very
1: strange. And I was like, I'm not going to take this personal. This person is – this is about them going through – because we went to acting school together, right? But it was a reminder to me. I did feel my feathers flare up and go, I told y'all. I have always known in my heart. People said, you know, yeah, on paper, I wouldn't be what you would think an actress is. You know, when I would be out in public in my hometown with my other sister and my parents would say, you know, our daughter's an actress. They would turn to my little sister who's just supermodel beautiful and go, do you love it? And they're like, no, this one over here is the one. Like, I don't look like what people think fame or celebrity or even just working actors should be. And that's my secret sauce. Stop trying to fit into the box of what you think the writer, the director, the producers, the studio want. They all either don't know what they want or they all want very different things. I can't win that battle, but the one I can win is being Dana fucking Powell. And there's no one else like her. So if it's for you,
0: awesome. If it's not, chugga-chugga, here, off I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're bringing along people with you that are encouraging of that. And doing the same thing. We pep each other. We keep each other going.
1: No need to tear each other down ever.
0: Mm, No, I'm
1: too tired for that.
0: Too tired. It's too hard. (laughs) I'm going to play you a piece of your podcast from 2019, all these episodes that we're doing with people from previous podcasts. I'm going to play a little bit of the podcast and I'm going to have you listen to it and I'm going to give you your thoughts on it. This is not like embarrassing or anything. It's like really lovely and I would love to hear how you react to it now. Okay. Let me
1: say, I told a teacher at the time I was in the Groundlings program and I told him what happened. I said, I blew it. He said, let me tell you something. And I want people to remember this too because I really believe it. If a job is yours, there's nothing you can do to fuck it up because if they were really interested in me, they would have been like, whoa, okay, Dana, that was an interesting choice. We're going to rein it back a little bit. Can you try it? They'll give you direction. Yeah. So I wasn't what they were looking for or they would have directed me to do it differently.
0: Mm, that's such good words of advice. Yeah.
1: So there's no way a job that is meant there's enough work for everybody,
0: mm-hmm. and if
1: a job is meant to be yours, when you walk in that room to audition, there's literally nothing you can do to fuck it up. I would love to hear how you feel about that sentiment. So, one hundred percent the same. Always, my whole career, I've felt that way, and I will till the day I'm die on a stage. Hopefully, I mean. <laughs> you know, I've talked before in college, they tried to beat my accent out of me. And I will say, I'm grateful that I do know how to drop it when I need to, but that's been my bread and butter. That's special sauce, Dana. That was born into this hick mouth and I've used it to my advantage. When does this podcast come
0: out? This will be out in October or November. Great. And I can talk about this with you.
1: Yes. Because it'll be out by then. So I was in the middle of COVID going through this huge ego dump, like we talked about earlier. I lost my insurance. I wasn't working. Like personally, Dana, as a grown woman, was so disappointed in herself, felt like a failure, just had dumped all my representation, (laughs) all this stuff, right? Or at least my agent at the time. I hadn't left my manager yet. But anyway, I got a call with an offer, which is not something that happens a lot for me. And it was something that I had always Wanted to do. You and I have talked about this. I really want to do voiceover. I think I would be good at it. Of course, we all think we're good at everything we do, but that's part of what makes us good. So on September eighth, I believe I will be premiering in a very small, tiny little part. I am now Mater's sister, motto from the Cars Pixar world. Oh my god, that is so cool! Now let me tell you something, Sam. I don't have voiceover representation. I don't audition for voiceover. I am not. I had voiceover representation for a couple of months. They never wanted to even have a Zoom call with me or meet me. (laughs) They couldn't have been more, I won't go so far as to say unkind, but certainly unpleasant. And when, you know, this came my way, I was like, I told you. I told you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Can I ask how that how that ended up happening? Was it from an agent? Was it from a relationship you had? It was purely that someone watched me on Modern Family.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy. My work got me more work. That's not an agent. That's not a manager. My work got me my work. And you can put your work out there anytime you want. All of us can. That's just the full-blown truth. And that was after I took a couple of jobs, auditions that I probably wouldn't have in the past. I have auditioned for a couple of co-stars recently. I'm trying not to let my ego be a player in this journey because there's no time for it. I just got to work. But, but I'm also involved in my union
0: and want some fighting for our rights. Yeah. I want you to be heading our union. I want you, like... I want strong people. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I think the people who do tend to get involved in the union are unfortunately it's usually the people who have in some capacity have been hurt by the business in some way or screwed over. And they're like, No, 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 this can't happen to me. This can't happen to other people. I need to get involved. And I wish it didn't take that much to get involved and to learn more, but sometimes it does. And I think, you know, I just I I think there's a lot of change that can be made for the good when people do come together like that. Dana, you're so great. I just I like, I always, I feel like I always like am around you exactly when I need you. It makes me so happy. So thank you so, so much for this. Like I said, you're, so the cars, what's the actual name of the project? What to direct people to? Road to cars or something. I can't remember
1: because it hasn't come out yet, but it comes out, well, when this airs, it will have come out in September. It is a journey of lightning McQueen and made her going across the United States to my wedding. Oh my god, how cute. I might be a toy soon, so we'll keep you posted. <laughs> oh my god, I'm living I'm living for this. This is the dream. And please um, please don't forget, please don't forget that the, that that is something in the other three projects I did this summer that no no agent brought me. If you have an agent you're not comfortable with, Whether you think it's that they're not pulling up their end or they don't know you well enough or whatever, don't ever be afraid to leave if you know this is what you're supposed to be doing. Don't be beholden or kept prisoner to an agency or a manager just because you're afraid. You can't walk in fear. That's not what this industry rewards.
0: (laughs) Accurate. Accurate. (sighs) Okay. Is there anything else you want to direct people to? Your podcast? Anything
1: else you got going on? Oh, Yes. I have a podcast. It's very different from this one. It's called the Rants and Raves podcast. We rant about sometimes big things that need to be ranted about, sometimes just small things like traffic because you just got to get it out. We take a cleansing breath, fill up with some funny news, some good news stories, rave about charities. If you have a charity or an event or something locally that doesn't have a lot of press behind it, we get that word out to inspire other people. Just really want to put some goodness into the world. The Rants and Raves
0: podcast, me and Jessica Young. Amazing. It'll be linked below. Dana, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It was actually really lovely. Like, Can I can I just share one little tidbit yeah, before we could please. jump off here? Thank you for making me listen to myself because I listened to it here over the computer in my little earbuds, not going, that's Dana and analyzing how stupid my voice is or anything. I listened to it and I was able to say afterwards, I like that girl.
0: I like that girl. You should. It's one of my preferred episodes. There's like a handful of ones that I go back to and yours is one of them because there is a hope that you bring to people like me in this business that is really important and I need you to keep talking about it. So thank you so much. Always. Always. Thanks for having me.